Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Miss Ashley. Good morning, buddy. <laughs> Today, we are going to learn about becoming fishers of people. Mm -hmm. After Jesus was done teaching, he said to Simon, go and cast your nets out in the deeper water. Simon answered, Master, we've been working hard all night trying to catch fish and we haven't caught anything, but only because you told me to, we will cast our nets out deeper. As soon as they let the nets down, they caught so many fish that the nets began to break. They quickly waved to their friends in the other boat so that they could come and help them catch the fish. They began filling both boats with the fish they had caught, but there were so many fish that then the boats began to sink. Simon Peter bowed his head and said to Jesus, Lord, you shouldn't be near me, for I am sinful. All the men were amazed at what Jesus had done. Simon, Andrew, and their friends in the other boat, James and John. And then Jesus said to them, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. Put your hands together for Ashley, because she did a brilliant job on these things. We are uh, in week two of a new series called Sunday School Rebooted. Who remembers going to uh, Sunday school as a kid and hearing all those fantastic um, recounts of, of, of moments in history, right? Mm. When God would interact with, with his people and, and those around them in different ways, and they meant so much to us. And so what we've been doing in this series is we're just taking a fresh look at some of those classic stories because they're still powerful, they still speak to us today, and uh, we're just looking at them through, you know, child, childlike faith is so important, and Jesus called us to that, but we also want to look at it through adult eyes as well, and just see if there's something else in there that God wants to tell us. And you know, all of these sketches behind us, thank you um, Natasha and Kerry and Julie for doing that. Do you recognize these? These are from the Good News Bible. Do you remember that, that when you had one of those as a kid? Yeah. And um, the illustrations were all the way through them, and they were the Oh, I was going to say the best part of the story, but they, as a child, right, it was the illustrations that kind of brought home to us what was going on, and so that's what this is about here. If you wonder why Mark is standing here, it's because this morning he is our preacher. Isn't that exciting? In fact, this, this is Mark's first sermon ever? Yeah. Ever. And the reason for that is quite simple. God is calling Mark into the ministry. And, and to be a pastor. And he has started that process. He's been studying now for a couple of years. And so this is one of those uh, important moments in his life. It's a big step. But we believe wholeheartedly this is not about Mark and his first sermon. He has a message for us today. And Mark's going to be bringing it. And we're going to pray right now that the Lord will anoint his words. Are you with me on that? Yes. It's about to touch your shoulder. Not allowed to do that. <laughs> so God... Um, it doesn't matter about the gap. We're praying, Lord, for your anointing now. We're praying, Holy Spirit, that uh, you will speak through this man. We believe wholeheartedly that you have called him. But, Lord, this, this is not about us today. This is about you and what you have for us in mind. We pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit speaks into every heart. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. 
Thank you, Nathan, and thank you, church. You know, usually if I'm standing here, I'll have a, um, a guitar and a microphone in front of my face and a band behind me, and, um, you know, all of those things give me quite a fair bit of confidence and encouragement. And so right now, with, um, with just this, I'm feeling a little visible, um, but, um, you know, I'm just thankful for this church who... Who I know love me and um, are so gracious, and so thank you for this opportunity. Um, and you know what? God be with me. Um, so, yes, thank you. Um, so this is my first time speaking, and so uh, a quick intro. Um, my name is Mark, and um, along with my wife and four kids, here we are. We've been coming along to Hills now for the past uh, for the past seven years. And um, I thought I'd just quickly give you a couple of fast facts um, to get to know me a little bit better. Um, I love sport, have a passion for pretty much any sport. I remember a speaker here once said if they raced uh, guinea pigs up up an aisle and filmed it, he'd probably watch it, and I'd probably be there with him. (laughs) And and I serve here on the worship team, um, you know, every once a month or so. And, um, and, I'm, and as Nathan mentioned, I'm a ministerial candidate through the Wesley Methodist Church, um, serving here at Hills, and that's kind of how I come to be with you um, today. Uh, for my day job, I work in the IT sector and have done so for a long time, and so I'm fairly familiar with that feeling that as soon as I start to talk about anything work-related, just people zone out, and it's like glassy eyes, and, and they sort of zone out. But today we're talking about Jesus, right? And so I know that you're all going to be here with me, fully engaged, and, um, and so I'm expecting super enthusiasm. <laughs> all right, so I'm just going to start with prayer. Lord, you never waste a moment, and, um, and you, can, you can use someone like me to do your will. So God, if I do a good job here this morning, I just want to give you glory, because you could use this humble vessel to do something good. And if I mess this up... <laughs> I still give you glory, God, because the truth is I could stand up here and sing Sunday school songs and you could use it and you could change hearts. And so, Father, I just want to trust in you and I give you trust this morning. Amen. All right. So when um, I was invited to speak um, in this series, the Sunday School Rebooted series, Nathan gave me sort of carte blanche for any story throughout the Bible that I could choose from. And so um, initially I thought of Samson and Delilah um, because this is me, just bear with me, obviously because of the physical characteristics and the, and the likeness and whatever. <laughs> but this is me um, a couple of years ago. Um, obviously, you know, the muscle isn't there, but, you know, I was working my way towards the hair and the beard. And, um, you know, a couple of years ago, in a Delilah-esque kind of moment, my wife and um, a couple of friends conspired um, and tricked me into cutting my hair for the purposes of a charity fundraiser. And, um, and just by the by, I'd, I actually wouldn't mind seeing Jacob walk around with just one shaved leg. I think that would actually be pretty funny. <laughs> but please give all the same. Um, <laughs> but that's kind of where the analogy ended because um, after my haircut and shave, I didn't actually lose too much. In fact, if anything, Jules, you know, I got more hugs and kisses with a clean shave and a haircut. And so that's a win for me. 
and a win for her, right? Um, but as you heard, we'll be, we'll be, uh, we'll be visiting that, um, one of the first encounters that Jesus has with Peter and Andrew on the shore of the Sea of Galilee where he calls them to be his disciples and they obey. So as a good mate reminded me earlier this year, I'm only 37, mind you, but he, but he says I'm pushing 40. And, um, you know, we're still good mates and, and we move past that. But I still remember this Sunday school lesson from 30 years or so ago um, because I remember singing this song, you know, I will make you fishers of men and, and so on. Anyway, so if you, were, if you were in Sunday school back there in the 80s and 90s, man, it wasn't a Sunday school lesson, lesson without some sort of a soundtrack and, um, and those songs that would drive your parents wild. And so that's why I'll probably only sing that one line of that song, otherwise I'll ruin your Sunday. But this Fishers of People story is obviously a significant one in the message because it's told in each of the four gospel accounts. I was keen to learn from Mark's account of this story because Mark was incredibly close to Peter. Peter even referred to him as his son. Such was their relationship. And so as Mark was the one who scribed for Peter and was his interpreter, we get a chance to hear this account from pretty much from the horse's mouth, from straight from Peter almost. And so we're going to read Mark chapter 1, verses 16 to 18. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me. I never know how to speak like Jesus when... You know, when I'm reading Jesus in the Bible, but imagine it was coming something like this. Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once, and they followed him. And that's it. So Mark is way shorter on the detail that, you know, Matthew or Luke provide in their gospel accounts. He's not one for setting the scene, and he even left out the whole... He even left out the whole miracle about Jesus filling up the boats with fish. I feel like that's probably an important part. I wouldn't miss that out if I was telling the yarn. But the message is clear. And in Sunday school, it would be a lesson about trusting Jesus. And it's an important lesson to take away. But today, I want to look at how Mark recalls Jesus' invitation, particularly in verse 17. It's a small verse but I think there's something to learn here about how about Jesus' call on those to follow him. This calling that has such power that men and women would leave everything behind to follow it. So here it is, Mark chapter 1, verse 17. Jesus called out to them, Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish. For people. As I sought God on what I could share from this passage, what stood out to me as I read through these earlier gospel accounts was that immediately after Jesus was baptized and probably before, he was going about the commission as naturally as if it were his nature, purposefully reaching the marginalized and oppressed with unparalleled and unexplainable effectiveness. Those that were despised. Jesus seemed to be drawn to. 
It didn't matter. And if he wasn't doing that, he was raising up and sowing into the disciples so that they could go and do the same. So here's the challenge that I feel God has laid before us. And as Nathan would say, I am definitely preaching to myself this morning. That as outward focused and effective as we currently are in loving our community, what can Jesus teach us about intentionally calling others to Christ? My first point comes from the first part of this passage, where Jesus called out to them, come, follow me. Point one is that Jesus' invitation is open to all. One of my college lecturers recommended I look at some research from a biblical, biblical archaeologist whose name is Ray Van Der Land, and someone, some of you might know of him. And um, basically, he gives some background on what the typical life of disciple would have been, raising from a child all the way through to a teacher. And um, the, the, what I found interesting to read um, throughout this research was that for someone like Jesus to recruit in the way that he did by going down to the shore of, under the sea to call others, let alone who he did, was well and truly against the norm for that time. So here we go. I'm going to be really quick. At five years old, typically, children would go to Beth Sefer, which was their primary school. At 10 years, the Mishnah, where children would learn to read and write and memorize the Torah, so those first books of the Bible, the books of the law. And by graduation, they probably were able to recite pretty much all of it. At 13, the best students, so a small portion of those, would progress to secondary school for fulfilling of the commandments and while learning their family trade. At 15, the Talmud, where they would be making rabbinic interpretations. And at 20, very, very few of the most outstanding students sought permission to study with a famous rabbi where they would leave home and travel with him for periods of time. And then at 30, they would be ready for authority and they would be able to teach others, as Jesus did at around about that age. Now, this clearly describes the exceptional student because very, very few would become teachers. So two things that I picked up from, from this. You know, firstly, as much as they love Jesus, I couldn't pay my kids enough money if they knew they were going to school tomorrow and going to be learning and reciting the books of the law and then the same thing the day after and the day after that. Secondly... Yeah, secondly, there is an interesting paradox between the typical teacher and disciple relationship and that of Jesus and his disciples. See, the typical disciple was supposed to be an educated elite amongst his peers. And similarly to most modern day internships, the prospective disciple would apply to be considered to be taught by a rabbi, which was an illustrious honour. And then some might be accepted. But rather we see Jesus on the shore of the Sea of Galilee calling out to fishermen 
fishermen to be his disciples. These men who probably finished their formal education at 13, and they are far, far from ready academically as far as the world's concerned. So in this verse, Jesus broke tradition and demonstrated that no credential is needed to be called to call others. He doesn't receive discipleship applications. Instead, he extends this honour to us all by seeking us intentionally and by personal invitation. I think 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 26 to 31, Paul gives us some insight into his way. Let's read it together. Well, we're not together, I'll read it to you. Verse 26. You can read it in your heads. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus. And this is cool. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. For our benefit. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if I want to boast, boast only about the Lord. This message today is not just for the very small number who feel they are called to full-time paid ministry. This is a message for all who are a part of his kingdom because he calls us all into this so that we can send others out and call others to him. So what's our response? I know that you know, many of us are praying for those we love and those we know to know more about Jesus, and we should keep doing that, absolutely. But if we haven't already, maybe we can begin to be a little more intentional. Have we gone to their shore and asked something as simple as, hey, I'm about to start reading through the Bible, and I'm wondering if you would like to read it with me. You know, that would be pretty bold. After Jesus gives us this invitation, come, follow me, he then says, I will show you. You know, we all want to be more effective, right? I'm pretty sure there's no one sitting here that's a part of the kingdom that wouldn't want to reach others for Christ, but how do we do it? My second point is this, that Jesus will show us how to be effective. You know, Jesus is called the teacher for a reason. He didn't only come as the perfect sacrifice. Paul just finished saying that for our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. But we have to give him the opportunity to teach us. There are a few things that stand out to me about the disciples while they were doing their internship um, throughout the gospel books, as opposed to after Pentecost. If you started reading the New Testament from Acts onward, 
the discipleship, the disciples from the Gospels, they might seem like different people. In their three-ish years of training, you know, we see them arguing over who will be the greatest among them in the kingdom of heaven. They're fearful. They doubt Jesus. They deny Jesus. But then after walking with Jesus and learning from him during that time, Jesus does something. He equips them. Of course, he sends the gift of the Holy Spirit. But what a change we witness in these men. No longer fear and doubt, but boldness. No longer arrogance, but humility. And then no, no longer, rather than denying Jesus, we see a faith and resilience that would see them lose their lives in his name. You know, when we read that First Corinthians passage, you know, I read it to myself, it almost sounded like, you know, the less intelligent I am, <laughs> the more that God can use me. But, you know, if that were the case, why would Jesus spend his last years on earth teaching these men as much as he possibly can and entrusting them with his word? In Matthew 18, Jesus said, Anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. What Jesus is saying in Matthew, I think, is that those who don't assume they know the answers and are humble, they are the ones that God can use. You know, we need to remain teachable, learning every day. You know, thankfully, through both the living word and through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we give Jesus an opportunity to teach us. And we are as equipped as his disciples were. The two ways I think Jesus is showing us here how to be more effective and intentional callers for Christ is through, firstly, his word. You know, we need to be in a daily habit and a daily ritual with God. Sure, you know, read Christian books, listen to podcasts, learn and be inspired. But read the Bible every single day. Allow Jesus to speak directly into your life every single day, just as he did for the disciples. And the second is this, it's through his Holy Spirit. Pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to be upon you. You know, the day of Pentecost happened and the Holy Spirit didn't leave. We need to ask it in. Jesus came to us. He gave us his example, passed to us his wisdom through his word and then the gift of the Holy Spirit to equip us for what we're called to do, to fish for people, to make disciples to be intentional about introducing them to him. But we actually need to decide to do it. And so that's my third point today. We need to decide to say yes to that calling. You know, I think back to Peter and Andrew in the boat that day. You know, they'd already witnessed the power of Jesus and so he must have been on their mind. 
even before he filled their boat with fish. But they still had to make a bold choice, as we've had to. Do we stay in the boat with what we know? In my experience of boats, they're not even comfortable. (laughs) Or do we step out of the boat and into obedience? And I totally understand that that commitment is not easy sometimes. If we're called to call others to Jesus as Jesus did, there are a lot of our own inhibitions to contend with, our inadequacies, all of our past, all of our future. What's going to happen? I'm not sure how I present as a worship leader on stage, and I don't even know how I'm going this morning. And truth is, that throughout my life I have struggled with a very deep sense of my own mediocrity. I am by a very long way my own harshest critic. And if I feel like I've underperformed, I'll tell myself about it. And if on a rare occasion I feel as though I've done well, I'll tear it apart and wonder how I could have done better. I take criticism pretty well because I can guarantee there's not a great deal that someone could share with me that's any worse than what I've already told myself. So when God called me in the ministry, it's those footholds that I conceded in my life that were leading me to respond to him with these words. You know, God, there are millions, millions of people that are better suited to this. There are hundreds in this church who would be more appropriate. And you know, God, the number of times I've stuffed up, surely it's only going to come back to mess up your plan and embarrass you. But I'm learning is that You know, God's already dealt with this. When he called Nathaniel, he was able to tell him what he'd already been up to earlier that Jesus could not have known. In John 1, when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, He truly is an Israelite in whom there was no deceit. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Well, Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you and saw you under the fig tree. But you'll see greater things than that. And then when he met Simon for the first time, before the boat, he knew of the relationship that they would have, and he even told him that he would later be called Cephas or Peter. And that was well before Peter left everything behind in the boat to follow Jesus. Yeah, I'm going to finish shortly, but I want to finish with this. If you, like me, worry about all of the things you're not good at, how ordinary you think you might be, let's get over ourselves. 
Because the truth is that without Jesus, we bring nothing to the table anyway. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Jesus knew Nathaniel's past when he called him. And he knows all of our past, and yet he'd still call us. He knew all of Peter's future when he called him. He knows all of our future, but he'd still call us to be his representatives here and call others on his behalf. You know, I'm not sure, um, you know, as I was sharing a little bit before about, you maybe we could be intentional with someone, tell them that we're reading the Bible and invite them to read it with us. There might be some here that had someone that popped into their head. You know, I want to challenge you to go to that person and be more intentional with them and make a disciple out of them. Please pray with me. You know, Lord Jesus, your word tells us that as you are, so are we in the world. Your Holy Spirit lives in us and through his power, We are your representatives. Jesus, you said that you would do the same works that you did and even greater through the power of your spirit. So as we make ourselves living sacrifices, pour out the power of your Holy Spirit on us and enable us to do your works on earth. Father, as we read through your word with a humble heart and open to be changed, Lord, would you change us? And help us to be more effective than ever before, all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.